Hey guys, yes, absolutely. Uh, it's only an hour. Jeff Howe, Jordan Scruggs, we got started a little bit early with the uh, Chaos Theory boys. But Jordan, listen, I, I want to keep talking about that too. Uh, you know, college football, I do think it would be better off with uh, with a commissioner involved, like somebody just a, a governing body that actually can do something. That would, you know, the, We know the NCAA won't do anything. Uh, but a governing body where you can set your own, set rules that make sense. Uh, have NIL parameters that make sense for everybody because let's let's be real, the NIL structure at Texas is not anywhere in it, it's so far superior to the NIL structure at say a Texas state or a North Texas that yet both of those programs are governed by the same people. They're they play under the same rules. It it just it can't happen. No, it can't happen much longer. And uh, I love college football, Jordan. I know you do too. But at some point, I think for the for the greater good of the game, I think those big time, like I said, those top 64, 68, whatever the number is, those schools just need to break off and just be their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's eventually kind of where things are going. Um, but... I mean, I don't know. Sorry, I'm in the middle of trying to add photos to a kid's profile through. No, you're good. You're good. I know. I know you got a. I know you got a lot going on. So, we'll get to it, man. We still got some recruiting stuff. We'll start talking a little more Sugar Bowl today. We got some recruiting stuff to get to, Jordan. We're almost done. You're you're literally hours away from the early signing period being over. So that said, two guys, I guess, are going to make decisions today. Dalen Evans, who we talked about a lot yesterday, the defensive lineman out of Longview Pine Tree. And then I guess Aaron Butler is making a decision today. And uh, interesting, man, uh, Hank South had some interesting reporting on this. So had he gone ahead and signed on Wednesday, if you had to put, you know, a certain number of units down on where he was going to go, Arizona probably would have been the team you would have bet on. Hank said Arizona's still alive, but I guess Aaron Butler's dad is saying it's down to Washington and Texas. So it I, that's an interesting recruitment right now. Um, Yeah, I talked to Hank about this. I don't know how much he edited the story, but uh, his dad on Twitter was someone had said that um, it was Arizona, USC, and Texas A&M. And he had said, no, it's going to be. Uh, he said, no, no USC or A&M. They're not being considered but Texas and Washington are, and that that's what he said. And then oh, okay. in a tweet like 10 minutes later that's kind of buried in the tweet thread, he said, like, we're also considering Arizona. They were just originally mentioned, so I didn't have to, like, clear the rumors on that. Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay. So, so yeah. But, I mean, on Aaron Butler, man, like, it's been a crazy recruitment. Um, he was committed to USC for damn near a year. It was, like, 11 and a half months. Um well, I mean, it was January 29th through, like, January 13th. Um, so al- almost a full year, um, and then he committed to Colorado, I believe, in the summer, and he decommitted from Colorado earlier this month. Uh, opened it up, named uh, Arizona-Washington, kind of as his two schools he was down to, and then um, Texas came calling, and uh, apparently Sark asked, like, hey, do we still have time? And uh, they said yes. So uh, that's kind of where it's at right now. Um 
As crazy as it sounds, if I had to pick a school right now where I think he's going to end up, I honestly probably would pick Texas. As crazy as that sounds right now. Um, so this might, be a Peyton, this might be a Peyton Kirkland deal all over again. Yeah. Then. But on the last day of the signing period, not in June. You know what's um, funny? Um, it's funny because we met with him yesterday, and our colleague uh, Eric Henry has an article about this right now of kind of the last four or five cycles, I think going back to 2018, so that'd be more than the last four or five. But anyway, looking at the lowest rated guys, like the four or five lowest rated guys in each class and how good those guys have been for Texas. Jalen Ford was the lowest rated guy in that 2020 class. And Jalen Ford was guy kind of like you were talking about yesterday. Like I know, uh, I know Mike has talked about it kind of in the same terms you did where he's like, you know, you get through all the, the rush on that first day of the early signing period then on Thursday, you kind of start culling through the list and saying, okay, who didn't sign? He's like, huh. Like Jalen Ford didn't sign with Utah yesterday, even though he's been committed for a minute. And then right around this time, you know, by the end of the period, kind of middle of the day, we found out Jalen Ford signed, signed with Texas and Texas had announced it. So uh, I say, oh, that's the same. It's not like we haven't seen this before. I just mentioned the Jalen Ford example. Talk about Peyton Kirkland, where Peyton Kirkland had Texas in his top five. And I remember the conversations were like, dude, is he even, he hasn't visited like, is he is he a take? And then you know Mike and, and Hudson are, are working the phones like yeah I mean he's he's a take uh, that might actually be Nick at that point I don't remember but at any rate man it would not be unprecedented if Aaron Butler did pick Texas today you feel Jordan like this is in terms of the numbers do you feel like this is a new number or is this effectively Aaron Hampton signing with Alabama opened up a spot and Aaron Butler if he picks Texas is probably just getting his spot. Um, you know, that that's a good question. I honestly don't think I'll have a, a full clear-cut answer till um, you know, after today. But I mean, they were in contact with with uh Aaron Butler before the Aaron Hampton stuff like really, really, really got going on like Tuesday mm-hmm. or Monday. So um Texas obviously, you know, they know how they feel with some guys, so they could have sensed maybe in the weekend that they thought they could maybe lose Hampton. So they just, to be safe, started reaching out. Um, regardless, I think Aaron Butler is a much better prospect than Aaron Hampton. Um, so I think it's an upgrade. Uh, also, like, he doesn't come with the, okay, what is he? He plays everything. It's like, okay, yeah, he plays everything, but this is a receiver. <laughs> yeah. um, so that, that part gets eliminated. Um, he's also... As you can see, other people feel the same way about him that I do uh, or about those two guys that I do is I believe on all four major recruiting sites, Butler's the higher-ranked prospect. Um, But, you know, on the same note, it's not like Texas recruits these kids off rankings. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and their board looks a lot different than our NFL draft projection board, which is what our rankings are that not a lot of people know. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, with with Aaron Butler, man, like it's (laughs) – it really is wild that – not that one, I think that as of right now, they're probably the most likely to sign him in a couple hours or whenever he, you know, makes his announcement or whatever. But the fact that they're even in it for him <laughs> the last day of the signing period when he hasn't ever visited. <laughs> um, also, along with the fact that they're in it for Dalen Evans, who hasn't yeah. visited since July 29th of 2022, which was literally two days before he committed to A&M on July 31st, 2022. So, um, you know, better late than ever, but 
hey, props to props to Texas for they're they're kind of being like the kids who wait till the last minute to get their homework done, and it seems like they're doing it at their desk, like right before school starts at eleven fifty nine tonight. Yeah, that was me back in the day. You know, I'm looking at uh, our football scholarship distribution, and some of these guys haven't fallen off yet. Like Isaiah Nayer still showing in there, Casey Kane still mm. showing in there. But if you look, Jordan, everybody's sophomores and up. Jordan Whittington, Isaiah Nayer, Xavier Worthy, uh, Ad Mitchell, and Casey Kane. Those five guys. There's a really good chance all five of those guys are gone next season. So you'll have Jonte Cook and DeAndre Moore as sophomores, Ryan Niblett as a redshirt freshman. You'll have Matthew Golden as a junior transfer. All your other scholarship wide receivers are going to be true freshmen. So I don't mind the Aaron Butler take from the standpoint of, you know, he's apparently, he's got to be a guy that Chris Jackson and Sark really liked on tape because we talked about Jackson making the in home and that's kind of when, you know, it, it started to look like things were kind of, at least Texas was serious about Aaron Butler. But if I'm Sark, man, if I've got an extra scholarship to throw at a wide receiver that I think can play for me, not just taking a guy to take a guy, but man, this guy can play. Then take it because if you find between Jonte Cook, DeAndre Moore, Ryan Niblett, Ryan Wingo, Freddie DuBose, Parker Livingston, and, and Aaron Butler, hypothetically. Man, if between those seven guys, if you end up getting three, you know, starting caliber players out of that group, then you're hitting at a pretty good percentage, like three legit frontline starters. And I don't think that's – I don't think I'm saying anything out of pocket, Jordan. I think if that, that's your group of seven, I think you should be able to find three frontline starters in the SEC out of that group of seven. Yeah, Golden's one of them. Um, I feel like it's pretty unquestioned that at this point, Jonte would be one of them. Oh, I'm not even. I'm not even throwing Matthew Golden. Yeah, I'm not even throwing Matthew Golden into that mix. To me, that's a given. I'm just talking about the seven young guys. If you can find three frontline guys out of those seven, with Aaron Butler being the seventh, then yeah, I mean that's. I like your. I like your odds. I like Sark's odds of doing that. Yeah, I kind of, I'm not going to lie, I probably, like, would have preferred a uh, a portal receiver instead of Aaron Butler, um, just so you can kind of, you know, just have more age this year. Um, but at the same time, like, that that's stupid unless, you know, you have a guy in the portal pretty much in the bag. And they also, like, we've talked about it. We probably have talked about it too much at this point, but the NCAA recruiting calendar just – part of my French it just fucking sucks it's terrible <laughs> it yeah. sucks these like the coaches get screwed right now um they're they're having to deal with like bidding wars for portal players and then turn around high school probably a bidding war that's kind of how it works the last few hours of the signing period I'm just gonna give it to you straight like that just sucks I guarantee you like me there's nothing more this Texas staff wants to do than get to 1159 tonight <laughs> um but yeah and with with dalen evans since we haven't really talked about him yet either um yeah. all over the place all over the place he uh he told everyone he had an announcement wednesday night the announcement was that he wasn't signing uh wednesday night um yesterday he hit us up and said he had an announcement at five and we were just like okay and as you can see we didn't post anything because we didn't <laughs> think he'd actually post anything at five which he didn't um today he's telling people he's going live on Instagram or he's gonna, I guess, do a graphic with Hayes Fawcett or not, but 
remains to be seen. Um, he's a June enrollee wherever he goes, wherever he signs. So if he wants, he can wait it out till February. Um, me personally, I'm really hoping that he signs today so I can stop having to deal with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's Texas. It wouldn't surprise me if it's A&M. Um, obviously, I don't think he would be um, telling everyone he's gonna have an announcement today if it's just to go back to A&M but you know there's also people who have reached out to Ankeny this morning that think he's gonna pick A&M there's also people who have reached out to us this morning and think he's gonna pick Texas um I'm not gonna stand up here and act like I know where he's going uh yeah. if I was a betting man I probably would put money on Texas to be honest with you um but it, it's really that close and recruitments like this this time of the year they're that close and you know, so many things happened. Yeah, it was an announcement for the announcement, Jake. <laughs> um, that's you can kind of tell where we 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 have a uh, uh, I don't know, a leash isn't the right word, but short short temper right now at this time of the year, I guess. Well, um, let me ask you this: Who are you more confident? If I said Jordan Texas is going to land one of these guys today, who are you more confident in it being, Dalen Evans or Aaron Butler? Shit, man, probably Aaron Butler. I, I see the Dalen Evans thing. It's just, I, yeah. I could see him going two for two. I could see him splitting them. I could see him going over two. Yeah. I, the the Dalen Evans thing to me is it's really interesting because I always wonder this with kids like that are like Aaron Butler's not committed anywhere. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not necessarily shock the world as much as it is genuine curiosity. Like, okay, I mean, like you can make an argument for any of those schools. You can do the same thing with Dalen Evans, but it's like, like a couple things. Like you said, okay, why typically why would a guy announce that he's staying committed to a school when you just sign? But I'd wonder part how much of it is a guy trying to get some eyes on his Instagram account or dudes just legitimately yeah. torn. Like unless you're there, unless you're really deep into that recruitment, nobody really knows. Yeah. I I've know seen it go that- both ways before though. Yeah, now like, we're obviously filtering everything um, that Dalen is trying to tell us right now uh, for obvious reasons. But I mean, I do know confirming the Texas staff is very much pushing for Dalen Evans. Like, it's not like it's like, hey, they called him and they're like, hey, what are you doing, Mike? And he's like, hey, go fuck yourself. And then he's going on Twitter like, <laughs> I'm deciding between Texas and AM to, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, there is very real interest by the Texas staff. And. They love to sign him. I mean, he's the number 44 player in America per 24-7 sports. Um, <laughs> you know, this is him and Aaron Butler would both be amazing kind of pull out of your ass at the last moment signings. Like yeah. Aaron Butler is a top 247 receiver. He's rated higher than any receiver Texas has in this class, not named Wingo. Like these are these are legitimate dudes we're talking about. And if they finish with both of them, they will be the number three class in America as it stands. Um, right now, they're number f- five. I didn't see what it would be like if you just add one or the other, but if you add both using the class calculator um, by the high school rankings metrics, Texas will be the number three class. That also has to factor in like the other classes that are um, like three and four. I think it's Miami, and I forgot who the other school is. Like, I have no about- idea what. We're talking just based on prospects, not the not the overall rankings. Yeah, just just high school. I can tell you that in just a second. Um, yeah, you've got Oregon at five, Ohio State at four, Miami at three, Bama two, Georgia one. 
Yeah, Ohio State and Miami, or Ohio State at four, Miami at three. I don't really know what else is going on with those classes, like what all they have left. So um, I guess maybe there's a chance they could add someone in Texas would be four. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't I don't cover those schools, so I don't know what they have going right. on last minute on the last day. But yeah. as, you know, let's say they don't add anyone and they don't lose anyone and Texas adds both Aaron Butler and Dylan Evans, they will finish um, as the number three class in America for high school. You know, I was just looking at the portal, Jordan, the portal wide receivers, because you mentioned, hey, you know, would you, be, if you're going to take Aaron Butler, would you be better off taking a portal guy? I, I feel like at this point, we can safely say with, with Sark, who's got the final say in everything, as every head coach does, if if he has his druthers, if it's between taking a portal guy or taking a high school guy and the talent level he deems is pretty much equal, He's going to take the high school guy more often than not uh, because you get to work with the high school guy more. You can develop that guy. But just looking at the wide receivers in the portal, um, you know, if, if there was a guy that uh, – why is this not showing? Hold on just a sec. There we go. Um, sorry. I, I was I'm, – I'm playing with our uh, portal ranking system, and I, I clicked the wrong button. But at any rate, when you look at the portal – um, and I'm just looking through here and looking at wide receivers Texas could have gotten on or that they, I mean, they, they were interested in juice wells, but nothing ever materialized. They were interested in Dion Burks, but, and he was supposed to make a visit, but he ended up committing to Oklahoma. I think, I want to say he committed to Oklahoma. Did he visit Oklahoma or did he just commit there before taking? Yeah. Visit? Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually have a little bit on both Burks and juice wells. Um, so Burks had two visits scheduled. Oklahoma was first, and then Texas was second. Um, in talking with uh, an Oklahoma source, they basically got him to commit by just being like, hey, um, you're not Texas' number one wide receiver. <laughs> you are to us. You are our number one wide receiver. What's the point of going over there and even visiting if, like, you already know you kind of want to come here and, you know, you can have all this here over there. You won't get that. And he committed, um, canceled the go. Texas visit. So Juice Wells, on the other hand, um, was supposed to come into Texas uh, Thursday last week. Um, and that was right around when everything with Matthew Golden was going down. And Juice yeah. Wells was our secret portal visitor we were reporting or whatever. But um, Sometimes, folks, there really are secret visitors. It's not just a not just a tactic to get clicks like some people would suggest. There really are legit secret visitors sometimes. Yeah, but with Juice Wells, um, I heard on about Monday that week that he was going to come in on Thursday. I got that from a source in the NIL world. Um, because of how the portal works, you kind of have to fact check everything with multiple people. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to text and said, hey, I heard y'all getting Juice on Thursday. And they were like, yeah. Um, <laughs> Matthew Golden, we're also seeing on Thursday, and he is our wide receiver one, and we don't want him to think differently. Um, yeah. So for right now, could you not post that? I was like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, That's we know how, we, they went yeah. and took care of business with Matthew Golden, got him to commit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we're just honest with Juice Wells about the situation. And right. he ended up canceling his visit. And I believe he's committed to Ole Miss now, Ole right? Miss. Yep. Official. Okay. The guy yeah. I really liked, and again, you know, Texas, Matthew Golden was their number one guy. And I think he it's Chris Brazel from Tulane. And he entered yeah. the portal, I think, a little bit after. Maybe that second wave of portal guys is when he entered. But he's a guy I saw. I ended up watching a couple Tulane games this year, parts of a couple Tulane games. Man, I really liked him. I saw him, too, uh, 
Tulane played UT, uh was it UTSA in the uh mm-hmm. the AAC championship game? Yeah, yeah. I, I I just like I if you're no, SMU, if, SMU. Okay. Well, get yeah. SMU in the championship game. Right. So I I just like anytime I'm watching a game and I just see a dude consistently just running by people, that that intrigues the hell out of me. And I think Chris Brazel is gonna be a really good fit uh for Josh Heupel in that offense they run in Tennessee where a lot of that offense, man, is predicated on vertical routes. It's kind of Josh Heupel's kind of put his his spin on the, the Jeff Lebby version of the Bryles Veeran shoot. It's kind of what Josh Heupel's doing in Tennessee right now. It's a hybrid of a little, of a couple of different offenses because uh, you got to remember Josh Heupel played for Mike Leach too his uh, his first year at Oklahoma. So Josh Heupel kind of an air raid guy too. Uh, but anyway, it's a it's an offense predicated on vertical routes. I think Bryles is going to fit in really well there. But he was the guy, Jordan, that I probably, if I if I was Sark's DPP, I'd have been like, hey, let's go. This guy's in a portal. If we want another receiver. This is the guy. But I look at the portal, and the number one ranked wide receiver in the portal still sitting there, Kevin Stewart. I mean, if you don't get Aaron Butler today, yeah, we know there's already been conversations that have been had. We know Texas is already – Started kicking the tires and doing their homework. Do you go after Evan Stewart or at this point, if you're Sark, do you just focus on, hey, we got a, a sugar bowl to win. Let's just take care of business, go to New Orleans. And then when we get back, hopefully your season's done uh, late in the night on January 8th. And on January 9th, then we can sit down and revisit the Evan Stewart thing. If he's still in the portal, yeah, I doubt he's available then. Um, oh, because he would have to make a decision. Is it you have to declare? You just have to. You just have to enter the portal by the second, right? If you're going in, I think the rules of the second is not just a cutoff date for entering, but um, you know, having all your paperwork finalized by then so that you can enroll and do like the. Uh, you know, like January winter workouts, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, be, be um, on the campus for the spring semester. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's what that date's for. But that date, like for example, um, Texas players are playing in a game the first. The date, the cutoff date's the second. Texas gets this gets the date extended for their players, and then if they go to the Natty, it gets extended again. Um, so. Yeah, I saw Jake ask, would getting Evans have any effect on McKinley's recruitment, mainly on McKinley's part? You know, that's a great question. Um, McKinley and his circle keep it really tight on information, so it's really hard to get stuff on them. But, um, you know, I I, I don't know, because I do know that they want four um, defensive linemen in the cycle. I think Evans and McKinley share similar traits in that a big part of the game right now and a big part of their ranking is their frames and how athletic they are and what they can be. Um, so I think they could maybe say, you know, we're getting basically McKinley and Dalen Evans. We're done with McKinley. I can see that world. Um, I've already had this conversation with Hank where it's like, man, if, if they, if they get um, Evans, you know, I don't think it's wild to say that they're probably going different directions with Alex Foster. Yeah, um, for sure. And, you know, that being said, a large part of that is just because, you know, they've said they want four down D linemen in this class. And, you know, they get Evans, that's four. So it could cut McKinley. I know there's also um, 
you know, you're going to do anything you can to get a player uh, like McKinley. But I do know there is starting to get some, uh, I don't know how I can say this the best way. Um, the recruitment's really going a long way. Uh, mm-hmm. McKinley's has, and he's not signing today. It's going to February. And this has been a one that Texas has been working hard on for a long time. And, you know, that being said, the people are tired, man. They're tired. So they feel like it might be too much effort and they already have a guy like Evans. I would not be surprised at all if they just stopped talking to McKinley altogether. If you're, uh, if you're Alex Foster and he, he said he's going to wait until February. If I'm Alex Foster and I really want to go to Texas, I'm really interested in Texas. Am I watching the Dalen Evans announcement? And if Dalen Evans says he's signed with A&M and A&M announces it, do I call Bo Davis and say, hey, will you guys take my letter of intent right now and just get in it, just make sure you got your spot? You know, that'd be the smart thing to do. Um, but unfortunately, kids don't really think that way. <laughs> Um, unless there's someone in their circle that's helping them out, um, yeah. kind of giving them the game on recruiting and stuff like that. But um, that would be the smart move. The smart move would have been for him to sign on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I Hank has kind of been the guy for Alex that's been in contact with him lately. Um, but, I mean, I, I him not signing, I don't know if that's Texas telling him, hey, we want to – we sign you it'll be in february i don't know if that's him just saying he wants to sign in february right. i don't know the exact reason there um but dalen evans and mckinley are both much better players and prospects than foster sure. is with all due respect to him um yeah so they get evans today you know i i can very well see them pulling the plug on d-line as a whole in 2024 i mean and i'm hoping that they can just say that they're done <laughs> after today but um you know, Terry Bussey signing in February. Um, he said he is, but, you know, you really never know until we get past midnight. But with Terry, a guy like him saying he is, I expect him to go through on his word. Um, and I think they'll they'll put feelers out there. We'll maybe try to see where they feel like they stand uh, with Terry Bussey. And McKinley going to February will also be one that they're going to have to figure out how they want to approach that. Um that side of those two guys and Foster, I mean, am I blanking on anyone that's pushing to February? Um, no, I mean that that's pretty much all the high school targets that are left. I mean, with Terry Bussey, I'd put Terry Bussey in the same category with like a Justin Williams. Like, it doesn't matter what you think your chances are. You'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't keep pushing there until either he puts pen to paper and and A and M has his letter of intent or. He tells you to, you know, piss up a rope and leave me alone. Like, you, you got to, like, you have to. He's that freaking talented. Like, you have to keep pushing for him until one of those two things happens. Or you, or you get him. Or you get him. Like, one, whatever happens. And I don't take that. Nobody take that as me saying Texas is going to get Terry Bussey. But, Jordan, he's that good of a prospect where until he either tells you to leave him alone or sign somewhere else, you recruit him like he's not committed anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, with Justin Williams, I know, I mean, I can say it now. He's already signed. With Justin Williams in the last year, there's been times where they could not get him on the phone or to respond to a text for weeks. Um, and they would continue trying and pursuing and reaching out. I can't say the same for Terry Bussey. I don't think there was ever a part where they were calling him every day, texting him every day, and, um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Gary Busey's youngest? No, I wish. I wish. Um, no, but he's got two I, S's in his last name. I'll, man, let, if that was the case, let uh, let Gary Busey roam the sidelines in College Station. You know, Give him six need, stars. Don't need a sideline pass at... Uh, don't need to sign that pass at DKR. Do you want to address the Ryan Williams thing one more time, Jordan? Yeah. Um, Ryan Williams, that's long shot uh, for Texas. Um, he said he, he wants to visit before signing in February. I believe the schools. I know Bama, Texas, LSU, Auburn, I think it was Georgia were the five. Um, he's been committed to Alabama, I believe, over a year now. Mm-hmm. Um He's obviously his quarterback. The person throwing him all the passes at Saraland has been KJ Lacey, who is Texas's 2025 quarterback commit. But um, with Ryan Williams, I would be very surprised if he even makes it to campus, even after he's saying he wants to take an official to Texas yeah. as well as the other four schools. Uh, he's never visited before. He's had like three or four opportunities to tag along with KJ on some visits and never did it once. Um, is there a chance he could show up with KJ Lacey between now and February? Hell yeah, there is, but um, you know, it's not something I'm expecting. And if he does show up, I'm by no means expecting him to flip to Texas. Um there's just there's a lot of things going on there. I forgot what it was. I think we have it on his profile somewhere. Um, but I believe his dad, I know his dad played ball somewhere, a college sport somewhere. Um, but I believe it was actually at Auburn. He he's visited Auburn like three or four times, right? Yeah, his father played at Auburn. His father was a cornerback at Auburn from 2007 to 2011. His dad is named Ryan Williams as well. Uh, I want to I want to do this, Jordan. I want to look at this Texas class and kind of piggybacking off of that article Eric wrote today, and. Eric included specialists in his. I I don't like including specialists because punters and kickers are always going to be the lowest ranked guys in your class. Mm-hmm. But let's just take the five lowest rated non-specialists in this class. Got Melvin Hills, Alex January, Nate Kibble, Parker Livingstone, DeAndre Robinson. If I tell you those are the five guys that are the lowest rated guys in this class, well, that's according to to, to to our in-house rankings. Let me look at the composite real quick. Now, I'm, the composite should be pretty similar. Um, actually, the composite's going to be different. So according to the composite, your, four, your five lowest-rated guys in the class are, well, actually, you know what? <laughs> There's only three, two guys that are four-star, three-star prospects in the composite, uh, Alex January and Melvin Hills. One of those guys I mentioned, and Nate Kibble's down there towards the bottom. Trey Owens is, I mean, 412 nationally, but that's just how good this class is in terms of where everybody's rated. If you've got a guy that's gonna that's at the bottom that you think can have that, not to say he's gonna be that guy, but can have that, you know, Jalen Ford, Christian Jones like career arc where now you sign him and maybe he's a project guy or an afterthought, and you look up three or four years, like, wow, that dude's become a really, really good player for us, a starting caliber player for us. Who do you think that guy is? Um, I'm just going off the, let's say the five guys that we're lowest on 24-7 sports is, not the composite. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going Alex January. Uh, I think Parker Livingstone is the favorite there, so I kind of want to switch it up. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll go Alex January. Um, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people have 
attributed the success of Alex January on. Thank you, uh, Noah Hinojosa. Sorry if I just butchered your name, but I appreciate it. Yes. Uh, Merry Christmas to you as well. Um, Sorry I sound like this. I'm just completely exhausted. But Alex January. Jordan's fried, y'all. He's doing the best he can right now. <laughs> yeah, Alex January. I think a lot of people see the success he has and um, at Duncanville or has had at Duncanville and think, oh, that's because Colin Simmons is on one side. That's because KJ Ford, who's our number, our number one player in Texas for 2026, is the other edge rusher opposite of Colin Simmons on the Duncanville D line. You know, I think it's kind of the other way around. Um, I think Alex is really the one who does the dirty work so that those guys can shine, and it's not calling or KJ working harder so Alex can get home. It's really the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex also, every single Colin Simmons game I've been to this year, Alex has had a better game than him except for the state championship game. Um, he's more consistent in everything he does. Uh, he's much quieter than Colin Simmons in everything he does. He almost never posts anything on social media. There was never really any real drama with him and his recruitment. Um, good kid, very quiet kid. And, you know, Colin Simmons has been making an impact at Duncanville since the sophomore year, starting since the sophomore year. So is Alex January, you know? Yeah. And um, I think the kids at Duncanville have an advantage, especially the defensive linemen that come out of Duncanville have an advantage over others. Um I'm, I'm totally blanking on his name. I've met him multiple times. But their defensive line coach can simply just coach his ass off. That's a guy who should be in college one day. Um, so they all have their advantages, their technical mm-hmm. advantages compared to, I don't know, if Texas pulled Alex January out of, like, Mart. Um, but Alex January is who I like the most, man, out of out of the, the five lowest guys of Melvin Hills, Nate Kibble, Parker Livingstone, DeAndre Robinson. I think Alex January is the safest bet for – who I think could outperform their ranking of those five guys. Yeah. Um, by the way, you mentioned the assistant coach, man. I'm, I'm thinking back to Reginald Samples, his Duncanville staff, not Duncanville, his Skyline staff. Uh, when you had, you know, Emmett Jones was on that staff. Jason Todd, the head coach of South Oak Cliff, was on that staff. Like, he had some really, some real good guys, it, guys that have gone on to be damn Todd, good coaches. I know Todd was with Samson at Lincoln was – was Emmett also with him yep. at Lincoln as well? Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. <clears throat> they were part of that group, and then uh, pretty much when I want to say it was when Coach Samples went to Duncanville was when I want to say that was when Emmett got the the sock job, and Coach Todd went with Emmett to sock to be the defensive coordinator. Emmett got hired to be on Cliff Kingsbury's staff. Coach Todd got elevated to. We're on the South Oak Cliff program, and Emmett's gone on to a couple of different places at Oklahoma now. Coach Todd's won a couple of state championships at Sock, and obviously Coach Samples is still still doing fine over at Duncanville. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> but at any rate, no, I, those this interesting man that those three defensive linemen, you know, the interior defensive linemen, are three of the, the lowest rated guys in the class because I, I know I know Hank has has been really high on Melvin Hills. I know you talked a little bit about Melvin Hills. I think one of those guys is going to end up being a frontline player for you. I'll be sh- I'll be shocked if if you don't get at least one and maybe two of those guys that are frontline players. And 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 with Robinson in January specifically, it's it's the it's the athleticism. Like I I'm more kind of with you on Alex January. Just what little I've seen of him, the consistency and the motor and the effort don't seem to be issues with him. Like what yeah. you get questioned with Dontre Robinson. 
Yeah, you look through the three interior D lineman signings they have right now, DeAndre Robinson, Melvin Hills, and uh, Alex January. There's not, it's not even remotely questionable who has the highest floor. It's Alex January. Yeah. Um, in terms of highest ceiling, I think it could be DeAndre Robinson. I think it could also be Melvin. I mean, up until this year, Melvin Hills had literally only played like eight varsity games of football. Yeah. Um, and I've talked about that and how much that intrigues me, but um, there's so much there to work with DeAndre Robinson and what he can be. Um, it was the same thing with Sadir Mitchell. Like, that's the reason those guys had all those offers. But it's yeah. about what you can get out of your players, um, what Bo Davis is able to get out of these guys and showing up to practice every day, being cool with, you know, not getting meaningful snaps until their second or third year, but still, you know, busting their ass every day and all that. So, um, you know, Alex January, back back to him, he's who I think is the safest bet of the three defensive linemen they've taken in the cycle to pan out. Yeah, CB, the last Texas class to finish number one is the class by which all recruiting classes at Texas are measured. That'd be the 2002 recruiting class. I'm saying that because that was the year I graduated high school. It was also the year my co-host entered this world. Uh, but that class is the gold standard, man. It's And it's not just Vince Young. It's not like that was a one signee class. I mean, Rod Wright, Selvin Young, Justin Blaylock, Casey Stutter, Lyle Sinline, Aaron Harris. You had a bunch of guys that helped you win an ash. I think I'm, did I mentioned Selvin Young. Like, a bunch of guys in that class that helped you win a national championship. They were the foundation. Brian, Brian Robinson was one of those first guys that in the recruiting realm, you're like, dude, this guy was the lowest ranked dude in this class. And it's because he went to a, a smaller high school in Splendora. And, you know, he didn't, Brian Robinson didn't do the thing where he was working with a pass rush coach in the off season. I mean, when it was football season, he played football. When it was basketball season, he played basketball. And then he was, uh, a borderline world-class shot putter, Brian Robinson was one. I think he won a couple of Big 12 titles in the shot put. So that 2002 class just, man, it is, I don't know, Jordan, it's, it's the gold standard to me, man. It always has been. It always will be. I don't know if it's just because I was more impressionable back then when I was 18, but that class, you know, I didn't even mention a guy like Larry Dibbles who played meaningful snaps on a national championship team. Just a lot of just really, really good, solid players, and then, a handful of elite guys, and then maybe, maybe the greatest player in school history. He's definitely in the conversation with Vincent Paul Young Jr. Paul Young doesn't roll off the tongue as nice. No, no, no. I think I think going, but back then he was just Vincent Young. He wasn't even Vince yet. Yeah. Do y'all want a funny story on uh, Vincent Young from uh, his days at Madison? Uh, please do tell. I always love me a good VY story. Okay, okay. So this is this is told to me by um sweet. If you want to protect the innocent, go ahead. No. Yeah, this is told to me by someone who uh was living in Houston at the time when when Mr. Vince Young was running wild for Madison. Um <laughs> but basically uh Vince ended up in Juvie. <laughs> the day that they played North Shore in the playoffs. He ended up there because he apparently told, like, the assistant principal or the principal to go F themselves, and then he, like, spit on them. And 
they had Vince taken to juvie because he was 18 years old and spitting on someone is, I believe, assault. Um, assault, brother. He also probably had some other choice words besides what I said. But, uh, yeah, he ends up in juvie. One of the officers there that day that sees him come in, that sees him comes in or whatever, big Tex high school football fan, and he says, I'm about to call my buddy and put 500 bucks on North Shore. No one knows what I'm playing yet. <laughs> And Vince is like, hell no, nah, man. Like, I need my phone call. I need my phone call. He's like, you're not getting your phone call. I'm making this money. Uh, the guy went on his lunch break, and he came back. As he came back, Vince was apparently getting, like, escorted out the building. His handcuffs getting taken off. And he turned back and stuck out his tongue and flipped a bird to the CO. And as many know, Madison ended up taking down North Shore that night. So it's like a 61 58 game or something like that. Yeah, it was one of the best games ever in the history of Houston's Texas high school football, all that. So, um, yeah, that was, that was told me by someone who actually ended up working, um, in the kind of the juvenile detention world, um, ended up working with the person who had told Vince he was putting 500 bucks on all of that. So, story told to me through someone who had the story told to them to the original guy, but. But yeah, that's the that more more stuff making the legend up of uh of Vince Young. You uh ever, Texas fans, you can thank Tim Brewster for Vince Young being at Texas because Texas wasn't really recruiting him, and Vince Young had the most random uh, list of final schools. Man, it was Texas. Texas got in there because Tim Brewster was persistent because. Greg Davis had a commitment from a kid from Paris, not Paris, France, Paris in East Texas. Had a commitment from a kid from Paris named Billy Don Malone, who was going to be his quarterback. And Tim Brewster's like just kept standing on the table for VY, saying they need VY, they need VY. So Texas eventually got in there. Texas was a finalist. Miami was a finalist, which made sense because Miami was murdering everybody back then. Uh, Arkansas, literally too. Uh, uh, <laughs> poor choice of words about me. Uh, <laughs> Ugh, sorry, uh, you, you, uh, you, you gave it a layup. All I had to yeah. do was like tap I it said, in. I set that on the tee, and you just ripped that down the fairway about yeah. three hundred yards. Uh, my, it was Texas, Miami, Arkansas. Because uh, Arkansas had uh, Matt Jones at the time was their quarterback, and Houston Nutt could have built an offense around. Vince Young and Southern Miss was one of Vince Young's finalists. I think I they got think him it, on that Marcus Dupree, huh? I think on it the was Marcus Dupree playing. And CB mentioned Steve McNair, like Steve McNair was a mentor for Vince Young. I know Steve McNair went to Alcorn right. State, but I think it was, I think it was the fact that like, other than the fact that it was Brett Favre's alma mater, I don't know what else could have been the reason Vince Young would have interest in. Uh, in Southern Miss. Plus, Steve McNair spent a lot of time down in in uh, Mississippi, so uh, probably probably would have those two probably would have gotten close. So, at any rate, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know why Southern Miss was in there, but yeah, Arkansas, Texas, Miami, and Southern Miss were uh, Vince Young's finalists. Yeah. Yeah, OCB said he said he wanted to go to LSU, but Saban wanted him at receiver, same with Florida State. Speaking of Florida State, dude, they're kind of – I'm happy I don't have to cover that program. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, dude, you go undefeated, have the best season since um, your best player was stealing crab legs. 
not really. He kind of just got screwed. But um, you have your best season since like 2013. You're undefeated. You still miss the playoffs. <laughs> your best player you have committed flips to Georgia the year after you literally went undefeated. Yeah. Like, it just sucks. Yeah, it man. Sucks. Um, and they they've had so many players go in the portal. And I don't really know why. I just looking at the comments, angry fans, and putting it together. I assume it's because they asked for more NIL money, and Florida State can't give it to them. Um, pretty popular trend in the portal nowadays. What is what is um, Florida State's NIL situation like, as far as you know? I don't know if you got a good feel for what they got going on in Tallahassee. I have no idea. I do know that that um, they were tampering like hell with with the D lineman before he ever entered the portal and was by far and away the highest number for him. And he was trying to get poached by multiple SEC schools. So um, they can at least talk money pretty high. I know that, but yeah, that player still hasn't decided what he's doing yet. So mm. got you. Um, well, yeah, with CB, we talked about that at the top with Florida State one out of the ACC. But forgive me, Jordan, for not shedding any tears for anybody covering Florida State because, dude, I've I've covered Texas since 2010, right? I've I've covered coaching changes and you know so much off-field stuff and trying to write about Charlie Strong's core values and Tom Herman making people eat burnt hot dogs and uh, just dude, it, th- this season has been refreshing. It's it's gotten me. Uh, it's done a lot of good for my my football soul and in my soul as a as somebody who makes a living in this industry. Because man, I tell you what, that you you be around you're around enough of that around enough of the bad stuff, dude. It'll it'll turn you real cynical <laughs> real fast. So oh, yeah, I won't. I'm not gonna shed a tear for anybody on that Florida State beat. But that's not fun. Now now you're having to cover conference realignment, which I don't know if anybody's noticed how we roll at Horns twenty four seven. Anytime there's something in the realignment world, I just like. Chip, you want to get that? Because that's that's Chip's deal. Is that's his expertise. So I just, hey, I ain't gonna touch it. I'll do I do football, and you can do, you know, any matters dealing going on in the tower. That's that's all. That's all you, uh, Papa. I don't know that there is anything latest with Malik Murphy. Is there, Jordan? Um, I haven't heard anything. This is weird. The day it came out, or it was officially announced that he was actually in the portal. Um, I was told from someone who. The, this is a source who happens to also speak with people on the Texas staff that um, Michigan is where he's going and has a couple visits scheduled, had a couple visits scheduled, never saw Michigan on any of them. So I don't really know where that came from. Hmm. Um, but last I did hear, uh, it was Duke. And they were going to actually take care of him pretty well in wise So Okay. Um, I'm not the person to say the number, but, you know, it's pretty close to seven figures. So, um, you know, props to Malik. I also think, you know, he can go in and start there. They're losing Riley Leonard. Uh, I believe the kid that they had committed in 2024 that was actually pretty good ended up uh, flipping to Indiana. Um, so he he should be he should be the guy there. I, to be honest, with you, I don't I can tell you what else is uh, <laughs> on the roster at Duke. Um but yeah, where is this? I can pull up the text. Uh... Yeah, I was just, I was looking at their uh, <clears throat> just looking at Duke's offensive coordinator. Um, 
I want to say, did they retain Kevin Jones? I don't know. Just kind of want to see what they're whatever they're going to run on offense. Let's see, um, apparently there's a coach on the Duke staff that Malik Murphy has known since he was a kid. Apparently, that's what okay. my source said. Um, but I mean, yeah, I also thought he moved closer to home as well, Jake. But, um, I mean, if you can get paid out the ass and get a degree from Duke, you're set up yeah. for life regardless if you snap your leg tomorrow playing football or whatever happens with that, you in your football career. I'll say this about Duke. That is a beautiful campus. It is. It is. Like, it is. I could I could go I could go down the street and get a sandwich, take it back to Duke, and, like, eat it off the lawn on just the campus lawn. Like, the grass is so well manicured. Uh, on a bench. Like, no, dude, I would eat that a mug off the ground, dude. Like the grass is that pristine in on, on that campus in Durham. Like, and I like the setup they've got, man. Like the all their athletic their athletic complex, like everything is right there. Like you walk out the door at Cameron Indoor, and like the football stadium is like ten steps out the door from Cameron Indoor, and baseball is like probably twenty yards to the right from there. Like I, I just like how everything is. Is set up. That's what uh, last summer when I went to actually went to Craig Way's wedding in the Carolinas. You know, my wife and I, my daughter, we actually just did one day. I was like, "Hey, let's just go to Durham and Chapel Hill." We didn't have anything. Literally, didn't have anything else to do. So I went to Durham and, and Chapel Hill and uh, looked at both campuses. North Carolina is a little bit like the North Carolina campus. Is where does this get to sound? It kind of reminded me of like if you blended the Texas A and M campus and the Texas campus. That's what you'd have with North Carolina. Like it's kind of more of a scenic type area, like College Station, yeah. but I've I've actually been to both, yeah, both Duke and North Carolina. You get what so I'm saying about North Carolina, yeah. though. Like it's kind of it's hard to describe. Yeah, it's been a long time though. Like I I don't think I was even in middle school yet. But <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, sorry. Yeah, like Jordan, both. you don't no. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, don't don't incriminate yourself. Just just plead the fifth. Uh, name yeah. brand Cody, real, real quick, we'll talk about because uh, Trey and BK are coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, Jordan, I, I keep thinking we talked about it, you talked about it. Uh, I think Glenn last... Schumann would be pretty nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, my bad, my bad. No, um, but you said it, it'd probably be somebody that's worked with PK or somebody that's worked with Sark. And when you start looking at that roll through that Rolodex of guys that would be available, uh, it's not that not that deep of a list. Uh, my, I know Bob Gregory's coaching safeties at Stanford right now, but he was, he coached linebackers with PK at Boise and at Washington. So I think that's a name to at least keep an eye on, but you know, right now, man, I mean, Jeff Choate's juggling. I asked Sark about it in the press conference and I'd forgotten. I forgot the Sark had done it twice. I forgot that he stayed at USC for a Rose bowl when he took the Washington job. Uh, but Jeff Choate's balancing it out and you know, Hey, you only get, so many chances to go try to win a national championship. And he's going to try to do that with Texas. So I don't think that's a hire that Sark is really sweating right now. And honestly, tell you the truth, I wouldn't be shocked right now if Sark has his guy and he's just waiting for whenever the season ends to, to announce it. That wouldn't shock me at all at this point. Yeah. Um, I have absolutely no Intel on the linebacker coaching search, but um 
Uh, I, I'm fully expecting the, the hire to be announced after uh, the first bowl game, or at least that's 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 just my expectation. Um, names to like, I mean, I like the Utah linebacker coach a lot, but, you know, I don't think that's happening. He's never coached under PK before. Um, but I guess he could be maybe someone to watch. Avalos obviously got hired by TCU, so he's off the off the board. Um, I think Santucci and Johnny Nansen can maybe be names. Um, I mean, <laughs> I doubt they'd go after DJ Durkin. I pray to God they don't. Um, but I mean, DJ Durkin and Chode have coached together at Florida before, so maybe he could be putting in a good word. Durkin's not uh, getting hired. DJ Durkin, so. you see this envelope? You see this envelope? Hiring DJ Durkin would be like, if this envelope is all the goodwill Sark had built up, he'll be taking this envelope and lighting it on fire. That's what that's what that would be. Not completely, yeah. but maybe you, you know, it just kind of smolders there. Yeah. yeah. Jake, it would not. I, Sark has, Sark has uh, less unsavory options, let's put it that way, than, than oh, DJ yeah. Durkin. Yeah, no, I'm just spitballing here. That's like one of the four linebacker names I could think of, linebacker coach names. Um, I don't know. I just have Jalen Ford come back another year, but he's obviously out of eligibility. Just let him coach. <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, man, is Brian Jean-Marie at Tennessee? I, I, I thought Brian Jean-Marie was a really good linebackers coach when he was uh, – under Charlie Strong, and actually, he might be—is he a defensive coordinator now? No, no Charlie he's just coaching. He's yeah, coaching bring, bring Charlie Strong back home to Central Texas, baby. You know, some some people, yeah. Cody, you you say that I don't. There were some people Jordan mentioned it on our board, and I don't think my sarcasm meter was broken. I think there were some people that were seriously thinking, "Hey, Charlie Strong, you come back and coach linebackers." He and Sark did work together at Alabama. But I don't. By the no, way, man, um, did you ever happen to interact with who his uh, strength and conditioning coordinator was or whatever? Patrick uh, Moore? Pat, Pat Moore? No, yeah. Pat Moore Pat Moore did not do interviews and didn't talk to anybody. Interesting. Um, My interactions with Pat Moore were very limited. Okay. Yeah, he, he lived in – he lived never – he was coaching at Texas. Um he put his family in a house in my neighborhood and he had a son. This is a great above. He had like, he had like, I think four kids, but he had one son who was a year older than me. That was like best friends with my next door neighbor. So we'd always hang out um, growing up. And then his oldest son uh, played at Lake Travis and then went and walked on at Florida. I'm not sure where he's at now, but. Did, yeah. uh, did did Pat Moore educate you about why it's not wise to do squats if you're training for football? No, never, never talked to him. Saw him a few times. Was very scared, but never, never talked to him. Yeah, that was that was for you, BK. The no squats mm. was for you. Yeah, I haven't done a squat in years, but I'm also not trying to play college football at a high level, so I don't need to do squats. But you know, guys, guys who are playing football, I think uh, you should probably do those every once in a while. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But hey, ping pong. Don't forget about the ping pong. That was huge. All right. We would not nobody could beat us in ping pong during the Charlie Strong era. So that's they good. were they were undefe- they were undefeated in uh 
camaraderie barbecues at Paul Boyette's house. Yeah. Hey, I don't I don't know if y'all ever saw this, but this was during this NFL offseason. Um, Tyreek Hill made a big deal about how he went and took out all the ping pong tables that were like in the Dolphins locker room. And he said it's because he wanted to limit distractions for the team. Like literally less than two hours later, he's at home and is streaming Fortnite on Twitch. <laughs> the same, guy, the same day. That guy's and the most just, distracting person in the world. What is he talking about? People just drug his ass to the mud because of that. But I don't know. I, I hadn't even thought about that in a minute. I just uh, when y'all brought up ping pong, it made me think about that. So yeah, Tyreek Hill saying uh, two is better than Patrick Mahomes. No distractions though. We don't we don't do that here. Yeah. Good Lord. All right, Trey, BK, this is where I leave you guys. Have a great weekend. And uh, we'll, uh, I won't be back on the 27th because, well, I'll be, I'll be en route to New Orleans on the 27th on Wednesday. So we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll shuffle it around and and make it work. But uh, yeah, other than that, I will, uh, I will see you guys at some point next week. Sweet. Very good. Merry Christmas, guys. Appreciate you guys. guys. Yep.